as we've been in this series, this This Is Us Parenting Family series, we've come several times to the Proverbs because they're such practical advice for parents and families and kids. Uh, I, I've mentioned that the Proverbs were collected and written down by Solomon, who was a king over Israel, uh, wisest king Israel ever had. And that's true except for the very last chapter. The very last chapter is attributed to a King Lemuel. And it's really not even his words. Uh, King Lemuel was writing down what his mother had told him. And he had heard it over and over again in his life, like our moms tend to do, right? She probably repeated herself a lot. And so he knew it. He remembered it, and he's passing it on to his kids, just saying, this is what my mom used to always say. And so Proverbs 31 is what his mom used to always tell him, and it contains a, a, a really familiar passage. We often read it on Mother's Day about the virtuous woman, uh, the, uh, all the great qualities of a woman. She's saying, look, this is what you should look for. And a woman. Now, when you read the list, you realize there's no way anybody could possibly pull that off, right? No woman could actually be all, all of that all of the time. But the, all of the virtues are absolutely what all of us should be aspiring to. Just, she's industrious. She works hard. She's creative. She's compassionate. She cares for her family. She cares for people outside of her family. And then the very end of Proverbs ends this way. Charm is deceptive and beauty is fleeting. But a woman who fears the Lord is to be praised. Honor her for all that her hands have done, and let her works bring her praise at the city gate. And this day is about honoring the ladies in our lives, the moms and the women who are in our lives, have taught us so much, given so much of themselves. And, and we're glad you're here, ladies. Thank you for being here. And I'm especially happy that you get to hear from the lady of our house. As we wrap up this series, my wife, Julie, is going to join me. Uh, would you welcome Julie? Oh, I need my water. No, you have to come. What are you doing? Uh, my wife uh, has been in elementary education uh, ever since we've been married, and she likes talking to kids. And you're not going to believe it by the time we get to the end of this uh, service, but she doesn't, she's not really comfortable talking to grown-ups. She'd no. rather talk to little kids, um, but she does a fantastic you, job. <laughs> and we often kid that whenever I do a marriage series, we know that our marriage is going to fall apart somewhere oh in the gosh. middle of it. Like, we're going to have the worst fights. And so at the beginning of this parenting series, we had that conversation of just, hey, get ready. It's going to be a rocky couple of weeks because I'm preaching on parenting. And true to form... Mm -hmm. Uh, we've had some new parenting things we've had to navigate and some marriage things, and I, I, I've been mean and rude right in the middle of all of it. And so I, I don't know if that's the devil or if that's God just like having a great time with us. Like you, you preach about this stuff, and it's just funny that you can't get it right. But um, I'm glad to have Julie here this morning. And we want to talk about kind of some principles that helped us in our parenting that were valuable to us, and maybe they'll help you and, and maybe not. A couple of things. Um, the, the book on our parenting is not finished. Uh, we're not claiming that it is. Uh, we aren't perfect parents, and, and even the principles we're going to share today, we didn't get them right every time. They, didn't, they weren't magic, and it's like they didn't fix everything every time, but over our parenting, they've been valuable and helpful, and maybe they will be 
for you. Um, let's start just, just briefly in admitting that today's not easy for all of the ladies who are here today. And, and it's not easy for some ladies who couldn't even come today mm-hmm. and for, for various reasons. Uh, some of them lost mom this past year or the year before or 10 years ago, and it's just still hard to walk in the door on this day. I, I got a text from one of our, our members, Sherry Phillips. Many of you know her. Her mom passed away this morning, and uh, they've been expecting it. She'd been in hospice, but this morning, mom mm. passed away. And that, that's hard. Uh, there are other ladies that want to be moms, and for whatever reason, that hasn't happened, and, and today's hard, and it's in your face today. Mm-hmm. That's hard. And uh, we, we don't know everybody's pain, but we know what that feels like. Uh, we, we had the perfect plan that a lot of young couples have when we get married, when we got married, and that was, uh, we're going to figure out marriage, mm-hmm. like you can do that. Mm-hmm. We're, we're, like, we're going we're gonna to get this marriage thing down for a couple of years. I was in seminary. We're, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to get through that. We're going to get a full-time job, and then we're just going to start our family because that's the way it's going to work. And when it came time to start a family, that didn't work. Um, and there wasn't some diagnosis. It, the doctors kept saying, well, I don't know. And it's, okay, we paid a copay to come see you. <laughs> I don't know. Um, so we never, but for three and a half years, uh, we, we came to this day every year with hurt and, and with an ache that's hard to, exp- that's hard to understand if, if you didn't walk that path, and some of you have, and some of you are. Uh, obviously, three and a half years to, to us was a long time. To some of you, it's not a long time. And I don't mean to equate the two. Um, we, have, we have three daughters. So whatever it was, it got fixed somehow. <laughs> and then kids just came along one, two, three. That doesn't happen for everybody. And so we know the, the hurt of this day for some people. And we love you. And, and you're in our thoughts. And I'm so glad that you came today to be a part of this. We were, <clears throat> we were at a doctor visit right in the middle of that. And just that whole process we won't go into, but uh, this, you know, trying the next thing to fix whatever it was. And it, it was very unpleasant uh, that day for my wife. And we got to the end and the, the doctors and the nurses all walk out of the room and Julie, through tears in her eyes, looks at me and says, pray for us. And I said, I, I can't. I can't. I, I don't know if you've, maybe other circumstances you've been there. And so we didn't. We, we didn't pray. We just cried. And the, we heard the door open. We tried to get ourselves back together as best we could and get home and let it all out. And uh, that, that was a hard time, but it was a growing time. Mm-hmm. We're who we are today in a lot of ways as people and parents. Um, that season prepared us for other things we yeah. were going to go through, not related to parenting. I mean, we've, we've had other heartbreak, yeah. and, and that prepared us for that. But talk a little bit about okay. that season. I'm going to grab these tissues, and I'm going to talk about that season. You keep leaving me. I know. It's so funny because that so. wasn't in the script for him to tell that story. Um, no, but, you know, infertility for three and a half years was really hard. And I think the hardest part for me was the fact that I, I didn't know. Like, I didn't know. Like three and a half years is going to be really decant. And then you're going to be able to start a family. Like you don't know that, right? You can't see the end, but God can. 
And so I think just during that time, we just have to trust him. And so even though infertility was, was a very difficult season for me, like Ken said, I was a teacher. Everyone around me could, you know, get pregnant so easily, and, and, and it just wasn't happening for us. And it was just very, month after month, it was just very heartbreaking. Um, well-meaning people would say not so well-meaning things, you know, and that just cuts right to the heart. And, and that they, they, they didn't know, but um, it was just everywhere you turned around, you know, it was just oh, in your face. But I do want to say that through difficult seasons, if you will allow, I mean, the Lord will teach you so much through that. And so if I could just share quickly three things that the Lord showed me. Um, the first thing I learned during the difficult season was how to journal. And so that was very helpful and healing to me. So I learned to journal honestly to the Lord, just to write my honest feelings out to him. And some days were not very pretty, you know, but he knows how I'm feeling anyway. So I learned to like be really honest with God and to um, allow him to help me through those difficult seasons. The second thing that I learned that has absolutely carried me through other difficult seasons is God's word is such a treasure. And I love that the Lord brought 2 Chronicles 20 into my life. It's probably my life passage. I love it. It's Old Testament, I know, but it's so good. Because it was about a battle, and the Lord said to me that day when I read it, he said, Julie, do not be discouraged. Do not be afraid. This battle that you're fighting, infertility for me was my battle, you know, this battle that you're facing, it's not yours, it's mine. Stand firm and see the deliverance that I'll bring you today. And that's what he said to me. And so I went back and I took that passage of scripture and I wrote it for me. And I rewrote it and I put my name in it and my situation. And when I doubted, I'd go back and read it. And when I doubted, I'd go back and read it, you know, just over and over again. So I really learned what a treasure um, God's word is through that. And then the third thing is, is I love the last song that Jeffrey did. Um, songs mean a lot to me, and I love that song. This we know, right? We can trust you. Your ways are higher than our own. And sometimes you just have to grab a hold of something. And, and, and when you forget it, you just got to sing it, and you got to say it, and you got to keep, you just got to keep bringing that truth back up. So those are some things that the Lord taught me through infertility. You know, it wasn't easy, but and on the front end, we, we went through infertility, and then we had a miscarriage on the back end. Mm -hmm. we, uh, we were all set to, be, to have four kids, mm. and uh, sort of out of nowhere, because yeah. we'd never been that road mm -mm. before we experienced that. But in between the two, uh, we had three kids. We got a picture of the early days uh, here of our three kids. Now, most of you didn't know our kids as little ones, um, so it, it may mm. surprise you to know... Oh. They're so sweet. Our kids were wild. Crazy. Wild. Temper, strong-willed. We thought the first one was strong-willed till we had the second one. And then we're like, oh my gosh, this is times 10. Um, our kids were biters. Our first two were biters. And I was the pastor of the church. So we oh hated to go get our kids from the nursery because we'd find out which parent we needed to apologize yes, to in the church. Because kids would come out like bleeding from our kids. So um, we knew early on that we didn't know what we were doing and we needed to kind of get a grip on this parenting thing. 
And so we began to, oh, yeah, that was, that was the attempt at a Christmas card one year. This is this Lily going one way and Callie going another way. Uh, this is what every minute of every day in our life was like. And my uh, biggest regret is that I didn't send that as my Christmas card because that would have been. That's who we were. That's who we were, not the one yeah. where we were, huh? That's you know, who we were. That was it right there, <laughs> Lily Sermons. Ah! That was... So we knew we need some strategies and some help. And so we talked to other parents. We got in a Bible study on parenting and, and just found some things that work for us. And maybe they won't work for you, but found some things that work for us. And let me just say, even if your kids were compliant, because our third one was a lot more, it was a lot easier. And maybe we were more settled as parents, but more compliant. And uh, the older two always say she got treated better than they did, but she wasn't as wild as they were. <laughs> Even, even if your kids are compliant, you need some, some boundaries and parameters. We've talked about that during this series. So here are some things that work for us. One of our, one of our goals to bring our kids to, this is where we were trying to move our kids to in our discipline, and it was a phrase we used was first-time obedience. We wanted to train towards, didn't always work, but we wanted to train towards when we ask you to do something, you say, yes, Dad, yes, Mom, and you do it. When we give a no, then you don't do it. First-time obedience. Now, again, that didn't work all the time. They, they didn't obey the first time, but we were parenting them towards first-time obedience. And one of the reasons is because that's how God fathers us, right? God doesn't say, okay, the seventh time you steal something, I'm going to be upset with you. No, God says, thou shalt not steal. And the first time you steal, it's wrong. And, and so we wanted to parent in the way that God fathers us. And one of those was, when we ask you something, we, we want you to obey. And here's why. We have your best in mind. We have your safety in mind. If we say, don't run in the street, you obeying the 10th time we say it is probably going to be too late. Right? When we say, don't run in the street, there's a reason and we want you to hear it and obey the first time. Therefore, this is not criticizing anybody else's parenting. And if you do this in front of us, I promise we're not thinking anything about you. <laughs> but we didn't count for our kids. We didn't say, okay, when I get to three, because that wasn't bringing them towards first-time obedience. Okay, I'm going to give you to five, and you better have stopped. No, it was... You need to stop. Here's why. And if you don't stop, here are the consequences. We also didn't practice what our, the term that we learned was threatening repeating. Uh, that sounds like don't do that. Didn't I just tell you not to do that? I said don't. This time I really mean it. Okay? Kids figure that out. They figure out mom's got about three minutes of that before she's really serious. And there's a tone she gets to, and then I know, all right, I have to stop now. That, we didn't want to be there. We wanted to set an expectation and that they would follow. So, so we didn't do threatening, repeating. Uh, we didn't go on and on. There was an expectation that they would obey. Now, we didn't spring rules on them all of a sudden. Okay, right now this is the rule. We, we did our best to set up our expectations ahead of time of what we expected of their behavior for a certain uh, 
incident or area, and right. maybe you can talk more about that. Yeah, and I just want to say right off the get-go, like I, you know, our kids are now, Callie just turned 18, Lily's about to turn 17, and Caroline's about to turn 14. And I really can't imagine what they would be like. I think they would be very, very different children. Not that they're perfect, please don't hear me say that, but I think they would be very, very different at those ages had we not done some of these things early. So um, I think it's really, really important and it's time well spent. But as far as expectations goes, that was very helpful. So one of the things that we did when they were young was the five-minute warning. And so in five minutes, we're going to leave client. You know, sometimes, a lot of times, they would pitch fits and things like that. And again, we had to work through that. And a lot of times, what we would do when they didn't give us the behavior that we wanted, you can't handle those things in the moment. And you know that. I mean, even kids as teenagers. With Callie, I, I have to wait till things settle down a little bit. Then I go back in her room and we talk about the deal. I mean, so a lot of these things, even though we used them when the kids were little, we still use them today, you know, as we're parenting. I mean, she's moving into adulthood, which is crazy. You know, we're still doing a lot of these things. But, you know, that five-minute warning, this is what's going to happen um, in five minutes. And then when they, like I said, when they don't get it, when the dust kind of settles, you go back in and you talk about, okay, now next time, how could we handle that differently? Like, we did that a lot. And we were consistent. And if you have strong-willed kids, like, they're not going to be compliant, and, and you're going to want to give up. But I would say don't give up. Keep after it. Like, have the end goal in mind, and you and your spouse, are, you just keep plugging away until you get there. Um, go ahead. Yeah, I, one thing about the strong-willed is that's going to serve them in some areas of their life. You're, you're, not, you're not trying to get that out of them. You're realizing, hey, they're going to they're gonna charge ahead, and they're going to be a leader, and, and they're going to yeah. be persistent. We've just got to channel that in the right direction, or we're all going to mm -hmm. hurt somebody. Yeah. One of our greatest parenting moments, I, have, I love this story, because Chuck E. Cheese was the thing. I mean, it was where it was at when my kids were little. And one of our, you know, Lily, with that picture, where she, she would literally leave the Chuck E. Cheese in Conyers, and Sabrina's witnessed it, I'm sure, time after time, screaming, hanging on to the door hinges, no, don't make me leave, you know. And so those were one of the, and so the pinnacle of our parenting career was the time when she left, thank you, Mommy and Daddy, for taking me to Chuck E. Cheese. You know, she, it, it was through tears, but she finally, you know, didn't scream. And so you got there, it just took a lot of energy. But, yeah, and you know, setting the expectation. Right. When we leave this time, this is what's not going to happen. And right. if it does, we're not going to be back for a while. And we still do that when they go to Grandma's house. Yeah. This is what we expect when you get there. Don't make Grandma clean up the kitchen all by herself. You're going to help. You're going to be a joy. Uh, you're going to ask what you can do. And so setting those expectations ahead of time. Okay, and real quickly, and even with Callie going off to college, we did this too. We were setting the expectations for her and saying, you know, this is what we expect when you go. And if this doesn't happen, then this is what's going to happen. So just still doing some of those things. We've talked a lot in this series about boundaries and parameters that parents have to set. The best image that helped us in that process is, is this one. Uh, the funnel. Um, we learned this image when our kids were little and we were trying to figure out parenting. But this is, this is a visual of 
giving freedoms and responsibilities mm -hmm. at an appropriate pace for our kids. And you have to think of, of going the opposite way, pour water in the top of the funnel, but if you think of going up the funnel, going the other way, when our kids are, are young or right. small, the parameters and the freedoms are very narrow. Mm -hmm. they, they make very few decisions. At the beginning, they make no decisions, right? They don't decide what to eat because they eat candy and Coke for every meal, right? They're not ready to make that decision because they don't know how to make that decision and they'll make the wrong ones. They don't decide when they go to bed because mm. they'll stay up all night and make everybody miserable the next day, right? They, they, they aren't ready to make that kind of decision. So I'm making all the calls when they're, when they're small. Then as they begin to mature, I'm starting to hand off some of those decisions, some of giving them a little more freedom, a little more responsibility, but I'm doing it at an age-appropriate pace and not all at once, and we're handing responsibility, and then we're seeing how they handle it mm -hmm. to see if they're ready for that responsibility or if we need to bring the parameter back in. W one of the phrases we used a lot in our parenting was, I think we're outside the funnel. Mm -hmm. And what that meant was, our kids are behaving in a way that they're not ready to make some decisions. So what, have, what freedoms have we given them that are causing them to do this? Uh, here are some of the ways for us that we knew we were outside the funnel. One was just consistent misbehavior on their part. If there was a consistent misbehavior, then we had to get together and figure out, okay, where are we giving them too much freedom and it's going to their head and now they think they can tell us everything that they're going to do? Right. And, and how do we bring that back in? Um, another one was they were unable to let us make decisions. Mm -hmm. uh, we had given them a little bit of freedom and they interpret that, interpreted that as, well, I have all the freedom, so I'm going to make all the decisions that was a signal to us that uh, we've given them too much space. We need, we need to bring it back in. Um, even in choices that we allowed them to make, there would be times that we just needed to make the decision. Uh, if, you, if you have multiple kids and you go through fast food drive through um, that's like a spiritual disciplining process from God, I think. I, th I think Jesus is disciplining us by making us go through drive through with multiple kids because one kid wants McDonald's and one kid wants Chick-fil-A and one kid wants Taco Bell and they're screaming and yelling. And, and, ma and maybe you let one person ch uh, choose and you rotate. But there are times when you just have to say, look, we're on this side of town. We got five minutes before practice start. We're all eating here. And if they don't handle that well, if they don't handle, look, I've just got to make this call today, then maybe I'm letting them make too many calls and they've forgotten who is the parent here. Uh, the, the other, uh, another way we knew we were kind of outside of the funnel is if ever their language or their attitude or something they were viewing uh, on television or on the internet was inappropriate. And we know, oh, okay, we've, we've mm -hmm. given them too much freedom and they're obviously not ready because they don't have the filter to know that this person said that on TV, but I can't say that to dad, right? Or I can't say that to somebody else. So that was a, a, a signal that, oh, we need to come back in the funnel. The phone, cell phones is, was another one for us. Everybody has their own ideas about when and if they should get phones and all of that sort of thing. This is the way we did it. You don't have to do it our way. 
Most parents get to a point somewhere around middle school where it helps the parent for the child to have a phone, right? Because that way you know when practice is done or you know when study group is over or you know they're 20 minutes away from getting back from the ball game, going back to the school and you can go. So it helps the parents in some ways. We started cell phones by saying for the first year, you're going to have the cheapest flip phone that we can buy. And it's not going to have internet, and it's not going to have data, and you're not going to be able to surf anything or stream anything or watch anything. You can call mom or dad. You can text. That's it. And for that first year, if you're responsible, if you don't break it, if you don't lose it, if you're responsible, then we'll talk about spending the money it's going to take to put a smartphone in your hand. For us, that was an approach that comes out of the funnel of giving appropriate responsibility and when we're comfortable you've managed those well, we'll give you a little bit more responsibility. Easier to go up. Here's the thing you got to remember. It's a lot easier to go up the funnel slowly mm -hmm. than to try to back down the funnel once you've given way too many freedoms. If it's been a blank check for your kids for the past two years, if they've been making all the decisions, I'm going to tell you, it's much harder to back them down. Mm -hmm much harder. There were some times that we had to do that, and we just realized the kids are out of control. We would call it boot camp because we just knew it was going to be a hard couple of weeks. And we'd say, all right, it's going to be boot camp the next two weeks because we are way out of the funnel, and we got to bring things back in, and they're not going to like it, and they're going to make things miserable for us, but we've got to get them back in an age-appropriate place. Anything you want to well, add just, to that? Well, I just, I love the funnel. I really do. It really helped us so much, and I'm such a visual person. But, I mean, like right now, we're literally at the top of that funnel where our kids, I mean, they have a lot of freedoms and response. You know, they can make a lot of their decisions. And I feel like um, my parenting's changed a little bit. I feel like I'm a little bit more of a coach with Callie and Lily and, you know, Carol, I'm, I'm kind of coaching them now through their decisions and, and helping them make the right decisions. I mean, sometimes, absolutely, I can give an ultimatum, but I, I, I try not to do that. I try to help them get to the right, you know, decision. So I'm saying the funnel is, is a little bit larger in our household right now, but I love the fact that I'm still a coach that can bench them. I love that. Because, you know, sometimes you got to pull it back. And so, you know, even though I'm that coach, I can still, you know, sit him right there if I need to. So I, I just, I love that, that principle. It just has helped us so much. Yeah, real quickly, and time's gone fast today. But, Again? Um, oh, my goodness. Uh, another principle that was really important to us, and we worked really hard on this, was that our kids were going to love each other. That was a priority to us. Mm -hmm. Uh, your sisters are your best friends. Mm -hmm. you're, and, and, and so that means you, can, you have lots of friends at school, and that's great, and then come over, and, and you should have those friends, but your sisters are going to be your friends for the rest of your life. Other friends are going to come and go out of your life. Your sisters are going to be your friends for the rest of your life. So you're going to respect them and respect their things, and you're going to talk nice to them and you're going to apologize and you're going to forgive if they need to apologize to you. Mm -hmm. we've, we've spent a lot of time and money uh, mm -hmm. in our family just doing things together. Uh, our approach to vacations, and this is not knocking anybody else's approach, 
And we, we don't take friends on vacation with us most of the time. We go together and we play together and vacation together as a family. I, I, don't, I, I don't think it's wrong to take other people's kids with you. Uh, we love it when people take our kids. Right? You, <laughs> yes, we do. You can take our kids on vacation whenever you want. <laughs> yes, you can. Right? Please. But uh, some of it is because we tend to vacation with extended family, so there's already a bunch yeah. of us there. Uh, but it was always important to us that, you know, this, we're going and we're working on our relationship and we're having fun together and you're getting to know your kids. Again, it's not wrong if you don't do it that way. That's just what we did out of this goal of saying to our girls, we're, you, you're going to love each other. And they're different. They're, it was easier for some than others and they have different personalities. But we were trying to produce an environment where for the rest of their lives, this, their sisters would be their best friends. And that's one of the joys that we have now that they're older. They still squabble and disagree and yell at each other. But, but one of the joys is our, our girls can go off, just the three of them, and, and have a great time. Uh, two of them can go off. The, to hear them talking about things that happened during the day. It's one of the great joys that we have as a parent because we feel like we've they're, they're to that point where they look at each other as a close friend. And we would encourage that uh, in, in your home as well. We're, we're okay, I'm going to wrap it just, up. Just wrap wrap it up. up big picture. These are the things that I'd say that I want you to leave with. Put the hard work in early. If you have little ones, it's never too late to start. But put the hard work in early because it sure does pay off. Be intentional. Kind of know that end goal and how you're going to get there. Consistency, even when they wear you down, you've got to be consistent. Um, doesn't happen by accident. You know, it, our kids, it's, it's not just like they're just good. I mean, we, we put a lot, a lot of time and energy and hard work into making them, you know, who they are today. And then the last one we didn't really touch on, but pick your battles, especially when you have strong-willed kids. I mean, you can't fight every battle. So in wisdom, you've got to just ask the Lord, you know, what are those battles to pick? And, and we we're doing that this week with our oldest. We've yep. had to pick a battle. So. Yep, yep. There, there is a, a piercing that will happen after graduation that... <laughs> Dad's not that crazy about. And I'm not either, but if, we if, picked if, our battles. If it were up to me, I, I, I would say no, but she's 18, and it'll grow back, and it's just not that big a deal. And, and, you, and you have to get to that point sometimes. You have to realize, you know what, they're, they're going to express their independence in some ways, and the mad about and on not. the flip side, I know we have to go, but on the flip side, last Sunday night, we did go to battle over something with this same child that That's was right. worth it. That's and right. she did get upset. It didn't matter. It's, you know, so you just have to pick your battle. So that one was worth it. This one, not so much. So. Yeah, yeah. And um, I'll be posting about it on social media later in the week. <laughs> so there will be pictures and video uh, if you want to follow along. No, I'm just kidding. Thank you. Thank you. Let me pray for us. God, thank you for being uh, our father, our, our mother. You're, you're, the, you're the best parts of, of any parent, a father or a mother. And you, you teach us and discipline us and, and parent us in such, from such an eternal perspective and help us to learn from that. Uh, help us to learn that we're not raising kids. We're, we're raising future adults. 
And even beyond that, we're parenting eternal souls. We're parenting souls that are going to last forever and ever and ever and ever. And above anything else, we want our kids to come to know you and love you and live their lives for you. Not, not so we can stand back as parents and go, man, I did a great job. But because we know that living for Jesus is the most fulfilling, the most wonderful way to live our lives. And so help us. We're all imperfect parents and imperfect people. And we need your grace. I pray it in Jesus' name.